brought six on that last play. Jones again with time. Corner of the end zone. Completes it. Did Fowler get his feet in? Yes. Touchdown, Giants. Ball placement. Make a note of it. Giants 31, Jets 22. Welcome to Talking Giants. What a game. We're here to recap preseason game one. What a fun one. I'm excited for this episode, Danny. Danny, how are you? I'm I'm really good. It was a fun game to watch, even though there's that one-hour uh, weather delay. Still, there is so much to talk about. A lot of good things came out of it. We, we learned what this team has going for it right now, the fixes they need to make, but I'm pumped. One, because there's real football back, and two, it was just, I believe, a very successful game, in my opinion. It, it really was, and... You know, not to pat ourselves on the back, but our players to watch for, like, all of them hit, except for, like, my Josiah Toyefa. And Paul uh, Perkins. Yeah, my, but he was well, a player to watch for, and we watched. Just not the right way. <laughs> it, was, it was a wild game, man. We're, we're going to unpack it all. We have an interview with Kevin Boylard of uh, 24-7 Sports later in the show. So I'm Bobby Skinner. This might, I, I think this will be a lot of people's first time listening. I'm Bobby Skinner. I host this show. At Bobby's going to NFL here with Danny King at Danny King NFL. And man, Daniel Jones lit it up. We got one drive, but he lit it up, man. And I tell you what, I told myself I wasn't going to overreact, but I, I'm, I am going to overreact a little bit and then we'll calm it down. But it was just flat out amazing. Right? And that's where we'll start is Daniel Jones. Five for five, 67 yards and a touchdown. And all those throws were amazing, Danny. I mean, like walk, walk me through your reactions as it's going. Because, I mean, it was like a, in a blink of an eye, and we're in the end zone. I felt like Daniel Jones' like father watching him. Like, when I when he completed his first pass, I was like, good, good job, Daniel. But then he completed another pass. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe this, this kid's on to something. Then it just kept going. And then what made this even better was the offensive line settled down from that poor first drive. They got running room for Wayne. Even though Wayne didn't get have any impressive numbers, they settled down, allow him to get some runs. And then Daniel Jones just took it there, a great pass to Cody Latimer. And then, honestly, the touchdown to Benny Fowler. I was full of joy watching Daniel Jones. One, for at least a drive, shut the critics up and be like, I belong in this league. And, yes, it was one drive. We can't overreact to it. I, I said a joke to our friend of the show, Justin. He was doing he was doing something during the weather delay. I'm like, I called Canton. Uh, the, Daniel Jones' bust for the Hall of Fame has been made. It's already ready to go. But I, I, I was ready to do it, Danny. And, <laughs> and, but it was it was really impressive. You know, like, yes, we don't want to overreact, but I also don't want to undersell it. Like, it was really impressive. And I saw SportsCenter uh, put a stat that all five receivers were not considered open. So it wasn't like he was throwing the wide open guys and on off like the average separation between the receiver and the DB in those plays was 1.4 yards. And like you said, the, the O-line did really well that play action, like, and the giants even last season, like even though their O-line was horrible on play action, they did give Eli Manning time, but the O-line was good. That play action pass to Cody Latimer was great. Cody Latimer went and got the yards. And then that pass to Benny Fowler was just like a perfect throw. Like, and I, I know, like, even more than the stats, like, yes, you have to look more than the stats, but this, more than the stats is beautiful because the receivers, they were literally perfect passes. I mean, but, you know, we're not going to sit here and say, oh, he's, you know, Hall of Fame now. But every pass was absolutely perfect. Every pass is where it needed to be. And and as we both said, we can't overreact to one drive. Unfortunately, the weather definitely changed the Giants' game plan. He was going to be in there for at least the whole second quarter, maybe parts of the third. 
but I, I agree with the decision to take him out. The field was what, why risk your future franchise quarterback on one preseason game? Take him out. He has the feel, but now he has like that feeling for more. He wants to do more. And so the second preseason game, he'll want to go back out there and continue where he left off. So I, it was just a fun drive all around. One, from like a fan standpoint, being like, wow, this kid looks like he could play at a high level and just from our standpoint we you've been a defender of daniel jones basically if at least like after a week after the draft a few weeks after the draft you you defended him you came out with stats on everything he's done right everything he could improve on and you've shown from the start that you're a believer in daniel jones and we're, we're probably one of the few podcasts out there that has hammered daniel jones down people's throat telling him people that he's the guy and through one drive he showed he can be the guy but he's got another test next week against the Chicago Bears defense so I'm intrigued to see how he handles it yeah and then on the on the opposite side yes you know we did have the starters in and it was against the second team on the Jets but nonetheless they're NFL players they're guys that are trying to win jobs and it was just exciting and I think Giants fans have a reason to be excited um and like the rest of the team played really well besides the running backs which you know we'll get to but like like I said, I, I, I don't want to keep on saying the same thing, but it was just perfect. Like, there's nothing else you could have asked for him. And I know the haters are mad, but it's awesome, man. And I, I think this is – you can enjoy this, and you can be – and these, these are signs of success. Um, these are things that we've seen all along, but, like, it was kind of his coming out party to the world. I, I Actually, that's a little – that's probably a little too dramatic. But nonetheless, like, going, like all the shows going into this – were ooh Daniel Jones he's gonna he's gonna make mistakes and and Haskins is gonna prove himself and it was the exact opposite um, and you know a lot of other guys played really well uh, mostly on the offensive side we'll talk about the defensive side as well I mean we're gonna talk about everything but overall Jones like I'm extremely happy there's nothing to go there's nothing to critique there's nothing like you know we, we like I said like we said going into this we're gonna overanalyze every single throw I'm gonna watch every throw in a different angle. But there's nothing I can say he should improve on going forward. And it, I know it's only on five passes, but that's a really awesome feeling. No, yeah. As you said, you wanted to see everything, but five passes, that's all we got to work with. But, yeah, we're hammering the same point home on him, and that's really all there is. There is not a better way he could have started his career in New York than five for five. Yes, second teamers, but still, these guys are – better than most of the competition he played against at Duke. So it's a good sample size. So hopefully more to come and next week will be fun since he'll probably get more playing time with Eli probably not started much. Yeah. What, what do you think about the rain? Because at first I was like, this is dumb. Let Jones out there. We want to see Jones. It was like, kind of gave us like blue balls with it. Um, but after, after, you know, like coming the two, it's like, okay, maybe that makes sense. You don't want to throw him back out there after uh after you know 40 minutes or whatever it was but what bothered me the most was we only got a five minute halftime and i i had to miss the first drive because i had to let my dog go out and poop i mean i I, as i said before i completely supported the decision i didn't it didn't make sense to risk him after the field is wet whoopsie after the field is wet don't put him back out there he as I said, he got the taste, let him sit, and just let him improve on that for next week. And, I mean, hey, duty calls. you got to get the dog out to go to the bathroom. Unfortunately, they can't wait. But one drive, I don't even think you missed much probably. So I agree with the decision to take him out after the rain. Yeah, so I'll, I'll do a couple Daniel Jones stats and we'll go. 
uh, I, you know, I, I wanted to break down, you know, from each field, each spot of the field. So from the line of scrimmage, zero to 10 yards, 11 to 20, and then 20 plus. Uh, to the left side of the field, zero to 10, one for one, 10 yards. Right side, zero to 10, two for two, 13 yards. Left side, 11 to 20, one for one, 31 yards to pass to the Latimer. And then the touchdown, right to 11, 11 to 20, one for one, 12 yards, and a touchdown. And by the way, great catch by Benny Fowler. That, like, that's not an easy catch to make. Good job on Benny. No, it was a great job by Benny Fowler to make that catch. And no, yeah, his stats, once again, we only got, we don't got much to work with on Daniel Jones for one game, but it's a sample size that we could work with into next week. And hopefully we only get better in the Chicago game. Yeah. So, you know, next week will be just as important. And if he struggles, it's the preseason, but listen, we're not going to pretend like, we're not going to pretend like we don't get excited about it, and we're not going to pretend like we're not going to downplay it if he struggled. It, it is what yeah. it is. It's, it's the life of a fan. Uh, the other QBs played really well. Obviously, Eli had the only the one throw. I didn't get to see the the rear view to see if Ellison was wide open, but a lot of people from the stadium said that Ellison was wide open when he checked down the Simonson. I'm not going to freak out over one throw. And then Tanny was 14 for 19, 190 yards and a touchdown. He had that slant route. To Russell Shepard, who's battling for a spot on this team. So good on Russell. He had a good game. And then Laletta, although he did have a couple bad throws on his incompletions, ended up 9 for 12, 116 yards and a touchdown. So both those guys played really well, but that really doesn't affect like the future of the team. All right, these two guys, Alex Tanney's there in case Eli goes down. Uh, in case you don't feel confident put a Jones out there yet. But still, Alex Tanney had a pretty good game against the Jets defense so I was impressed to see that and Kyle Oletta he has no future on this team I hate to break it I mean everyone expects this even Kyle knows at this point he's playing for he's auditioning for another team right now unless Tanny goes downhill real fast or he gets injured then that's the only way Kyle makes his team but I mean, good good for Kyle to go out there and have a decent game make some good throws uh yeah he he will not be on this team come the 53 man cut down date but he's auditioning for another team and if he can keep that up he'll he'll have a job somewhere at some point in the season maybe not starting but at least as a backup for a potential or he'll end up on a practice squad somewhere Right. I was going to ask you, who do you think is the, is the third guy now? Uh, I think Tanny would have to have a horrible three preseason games, and Loretta would have to have a great three because Tanny's been the number three guy going into it. But I don't, I don't want to talk about the backups too much. Let's talk about the running back crew, which is the biggest negative. There's a couple other negatives, but the running back crew was the biggest negative. Wayne Gallman, five carries for 13 yards. Uh, Rod Smith, six for 12. And then Perkins, four for nine in the fumble. Perkins screwed himself. Listen, like one. If you just look at the yards per carry, neither none of these guys separated themselves, but Perkins separated himself in a negative way with that fumble. You can't have that. That's your quickest way to to lose a job. Even if Perkins, even if like Perkins is slightly better throughout the rest of preseason, like that, you just can't have that happen. And and I'd say preseason is pro- like their performance for running backs is probably the most important because you're not getting you you don't get to see a lot out of running backs in practice with guys not really tackling anymore um, and less padded practices. So like I I think that's huge and I, I think it puts Gallman in the number 2 spot and Rod Smith with you know his stats are bad but he did have a couple of nice carries. Uh you know I'm I'm not I you know I've been pretty adamant how I I really don't like Rod Smith but I think Gallman is pretty much like got his job at number 2. It would have to be that to be a big difference between Perkins and Gallman going forward. 
No, yeah. Uh, we can't also forget that catch. Paul Perkins had an easy catch, but he turned his head upfield, dropped the ball, and he just got hit there. So I, I said Paul Perkins, as we said in the beginning, was a player to watch. Because uh, more, he's a mystery. We haven't seen, we didn't see him all last year. He was injured with the pectoral injury, so he was a wild card. He was on this team for a reason. And after tonight, I'm, I'm like, all right, well, I saw what I needed to sell Paul Perkins, and it just reminded me of 2017 Paul Perkins. Nothing impressive, bad mistakes. Uh, so as much as Wayne Goldman was quiet during the uh, OTAs and so far through training camp, uh, I agree with you. He's probably going to be running back number two after Paul Perkins had a pretty poor out in tonight. Unless that changes, then it's going to be Wayne Goldman number two. Uh, Rod Smith, I believe, will make this team at the third running back. Uh, the Giants like it. Uh, they like Paul, uh, not Paul, Rod Smith, and Rod Smith also has a special team role. And Jonathan Hillman, the concussion's really going to hurt him in the long term. Uh, hopefully, one, whatever it is, it speeds up quickly as a speedy recovery, but... This is not what he needed to try and make this roster, make a run at it at least. Well, it was already a long shot. But, yeah, running backs is definitely one of the most disappointing positions of the night. Yeah, and fumbles are just huge. Coaches can't stand. I mean, as Giants fans, we all know Tom Coughlin. If he fumbled, you were pretty much, you were pretty much shunned from the team. I mean, David Wilson's a first-round pick. He struggled with some fumbles, and we didn't like he didn't play for like three weeks after that. And, and you know, that it Different coaches are have different philosophies with that. I'm I really not sure what Shermer like how he views that, but nonetheless, he doesn't view it well, and, and that's big for him. So yeah, I think Gallman right now is the lead guy, but not really because Gallman went out and did anything, although he was already the number two. Um, wide receivers, T.J. Jones, man, I've been high on him since you know we watched his film after we signed him, and I just think he's a really good route runner, and he showed that today. Uh, his first catch was was like a 12-yard in route. That was really nice. And he slow played it because they didn't like a lot of times like these fast receivers, they they you know they come out of their break and they're full go and then they run into coverage. He slow played it really well. Tanny put it on. And that was a really nice catch. And he had a few other nice ones. And then obviously the touchdown from Laletta, that back shoulder. Uh, that's not an easy catch to make. Great throw by Laletta, but that's not an easy catch to make. TJ Jones had been running with the third string in practice, and that was kind of surprising. That they I didn't think they I thought they would move him in to like a rotation with those starter guys with Tate out uh pretty quickly. But I think I really think he's gonna make this roster. Um I don't know who gets pushed out. It's actually kind of crowded now. I guess with Tate being out the first four games, you kind of have that extra spot. But between him, Fowler, and Russell Shepard, is there might be a hard decision on letting one of those guys go. No, yeah, the Giants are a huge fan of Russell Shepard. He's, he's a well-liked guy in the locker room. I, I heard a, on NBC in the broadcast, I don't know the exact thing, but like he handed out gift cards to like the players and some people in there. So he's a really well-liked guy, but the receivers were very quite impressive. Reggie White Jr., four for 60 yards. Russell Shepard, two for 58. Alonzo Russell with the one catch of 39 yards. But on Alonzo Russell, he got open many times. There's one play where he was open, and Alex Tanny could have made that throw and probably would have went for a touchdown, but Tanny played a safe just ran it for the first down but yeah these guys were impressive Cody Latimer two for 36 goal to Tate he had one catch one for 11 so uh yeah after Latimer Shepard and Tate that fourth spot's gonna be a very interesting thing because I'm a huge fan of Russell Shepard he's a good in the special teams game Reggie White Jr. I feel like he has the potential to be on this roster and TJ Jones he showed it tonight he can do it but He's run with the third teams. Maybe that'll change next week. Maybe he'll be with the second team and with uh, Daniel Jones in the Chicago game once all the other receivers get taken out. So 
uh, or whenever they have Daniel Jones play. But TJ Jones, I feel like should run with the second team next week and will get like a real taste of what he brings to the table, not against these 13 guys. Yeah, I, that's a great point. I think he should get a lot of reps with Daniel Jones if he's not going to be, you know, thrust into that starting rotation. Like, you know, I I, I like TJ Jones a lot, and I've been pretty adamant about that. Reggie White had four catches for sixty yards. Nothing, nothing like amazing, but nonetheless, hundred uh, percent, you know, on his target rate. I mean, look, I mean, look at all the guys who, you know, uh, TJ Jones, hundred percent catch rate. Reggie White, hundred percent catch rate. Russell Shepard, only two catches, but hundred percent catch rate. And that slant was a really nice play, but it also wasn't like some ground breaking play. It's a route where a guy jumps it, and then you be. Did that? Did you hear that? Oh my gosh! ESPN, yeah. stop! Stop playing ads in the middle of my show. ESPN. ESPN's nuts. They're trying to get free advertisement on this show. What's going on here? Just ESPN? trying. Just trying to look at a box score, and you guys run an ad through it. Anyways, now I'm not looking at those stats. Thanks a lot, ESPN. <laughs> Hold up on my phone. Anyways, I think it was a really good game overall in the receiving core. Did we have any drops? Uh, I, I can't remember uh, a drop. I mean, we probably we, we probably did have drops, but I was so high on everything. I it probably just blacked out of my mind that I completely forgot it. This was a bad game. I could probably tell you most of the drops that happened, but since it was such a good game, the drops are out of my mind right now. Yeah. <laughs> ESPN really got me off my game right there. Uh, yeah, so the receivings was really good. Uh, didn't see much of the tight ends. Uh, CJ Conrad, a guy a lot of people want to see out of, uh, you know, see him have a good game. Uh, he looked he looked a little nervous out there. Two catches for seven yards. Um, he was like making contact at the end of his routes, like he was trying to block. I, I wasn't impressed the whole time with CJ Conrad, although Ellison wasn't. Ellison and Simonson really weren't involved a whole lot. Uh, and then the other guys don't really matter. Evan Ingram sat out, obviously. Uh, so yeah, and then the offensive line played really well. Like, like Remmers was good. Uh, obviously, Zeitler, Halapio played really well. There was a few run plays where Halapio made some really good plays. Um, you know, the running back yards per carry really doesn't tell the story of how that starting group was um, in there. I got, there were some really good plays out of Halapio. I, I didn't get I didn't get the zero in on Hernandez much. Um, and then Solder, if we're not talking about him, that means he did a good job. The offensive line definitely settled down after that first drive. The first drive was poor all around from because it was the jitters. It was their first like live action game, real hidden. So everyone was off their game, even Eli. So seeing the second drive, them really calming down, giving Wayne Gallman some opportunities to get some nice runs in, really. Uh, helped me get excited about this offensive line and the potential they had. And and Zyler said on the NBC broadcast that uh, he's building a chemistry with Mike Remmers. And I, I saw tonight Mike Remmers. I we didn't talk about him that much. So as just like with Nate Soldier, Mike Remmers did a pretty good job. Uh, Will Hernandez had I believe a holding call, but that was on the, I believe the very first drive. So once again, the jitters were still there. So the offensive line impressed me. Uh, last year, the offensive line was still pretty awful. So just having a very capable offensive line makes this uh, the hope for this group to be better than previous years so much higher. At, I'm adamant about this. This is Giants had the best offensive line they probably had in years. I, I can't say an exact year, but this offensive line has all the potential to be one of the top-tier groups in this year's NFL. Yeah, it's nice to go into a season not being scared of the offensive line, which is what we have in past, even like the year after we went to the playoffs and there was high hopes from like the national media, there was high hopes. People were putting giants like second in power rankings, but I think all of us are giants fans. We're like, yeah, we got a lot of weapons, but this offensive line is kind of scary. We're hoping Eric flowers is good. And that's, that's not a bet to make, by the way, Eric flowers, 
you know, they, they switched to the Redskins game during the rainout. Uh, holding penalty. Eric Flowers never changed. I'm actually scared that the Redskins are going to cut Eric Flowers. Please don't do that. <laughs> well, I mean, Trent Williams, he sounds like he's done with Washington. So I think Washington has no choice but to keep Eric Flowers, really. What was he playing tonight, guard or tackle? I, I I think guard. They're they're so bad. Haskins sucked. Um, but we're not going to overreact. <laughs> but I'm just going to say Haskins sucked. We were uh, right. Listen, I've been pretty heavy on the like the anti-Haskins uh, train and I was I was scared that the Giants were going to pick him. I really was. Like, I I, I was all for Dwayne. <laughs> I know you were, but I was like, and I said I didn't go like all out, but like I was I was really not impressed with Haskins going into the draft, um, and I'm not impressed with him after Week One. Sorry about your luck, Redskins. Uh, all right, so let's let's talk a little bit about the defense. Uh, let's let's start let's start with the pass rush overall. Nothing important. Like I, it was not good. They, they, we really didn't have anybody get to the pass rusher. Now that being said, they weren't dialing up any blitzes. There's not going to be any like exotic scheme. So th- that's also something to keep in mind with Daniel Jones. Like the defenses weren't dialing up some kind of crazy defenses, or they weren't throwing their best at them. But nonetheless, none of our guys were really able to get home uh, without. Uh, besides Jake Carlock, who I, I can't wait to talk about. Um, but n- none of our guys were really able to get home. Uh, on a consistent basis. Cream Martin had a really nice hit on Simeon. That, that was a nice hit, but it wasn't a sack. Um, so, yeah, nothing. The pass rush is kind of worrisome because that that was like the position going into this where, yeah, the DBs are young and we're going to talk about them a little bit. But that was the position that's like, I know there's potential, but it's also a little scary because we don't really have like a bona fide guy. Yeah, the Giants... The pass rush was non-existent, but as you said, this is very a vanilla defense. They're not going to show their cards to the Jets because they are playing them in Week 11 this year, so you don't want to show everything you got. But, no, yeah, the pass rush was basically non-existent. They rushed four guys most of the time, and they really some Sam Darnold really had a clean pocket for most of the of his first drive. So, uh, yes, it's worrisome. We don't have the guys, but really, we, we haven't seen much of Marcus Golden. He's also a factor into this. Can he develop back into that guy he was – when he's with James Betcher, and now he's back one from again. So, uh, BJ Hill needs to be a leader on this defensive line. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, not not much came out from him. So, yeah, nothing impressive on the pass rush side of the football. Uh, d- during like once like the first stringers got out, second stringers guys came in. Then there's really a pass rush. But once again, these are second string guys. We probably won't be seeing them as much as we would see the first string guys. So you wanted to see a better showing from these first string guys in their first drive, but nothing much came out of it. But they did the defense as a whole settled down after that first drive. Yeah, that first drive, and to think we almost had a pick from Jabril Peppers. Um, I, I wouldn't even consider that a drop, but it, it might have went down as a drop. Uh, but even if like that pass got past Peppers, there that was well covered, and it was kind of funny to watch. Um, like you said, B.J. Hill needs to step up. R.J. McIntosh, who was with the second strings, he had a few good plays, but it wasn't as consistent as you'd like. You mentioned Marcus Golden, though. What I thought was interesting is they had his hand in the ground. I like that. I get that these outside linebackers are stand like they play stand up, but essentially they're they're defensive ends. Like I get that their position's outside linebacker, and I guess edge has become its own position of its own in the NFL. But I thought it was interesting that he had his hand in the ground. I, I like that. I think if a guy is going to be a pass rusher, you might as well put his hand in the ground and, and give him that extra boost. Um, so, yeah, nothing special out of them. Um, so, yeah, anything else on the D-line before we move on? 
No, not really. Uh, just as a whole, the defense pass rush needs to step up. But I really believe Marcus Golden is a key to his defense going forward. Yeah, it was interesting to see Kareem Martin ahead of him on the depth chart, which obviously you don't want to put too much weight into the first unofficial depth chart. Um, but yeah, that was interesting. Let's talk about the DBs, because that's what a lot of people want to hear about. Started off rough. Julian Love started at nickel, obviously with Grant Haley out, uh, Sam Beal uh, out. But I thought they were going to play him at safety, because that's that seems like what his position has been. He was practicing individual drills with the safeties. He was listed as a second-team free safety. So I figured they would throw someone in the nickel and let Julian Love play safety. And he had a couple bad plays on that first drive. And then uh, the touchdown that the Jets had, the Sam Darnold touchdown, the rub route, that, that's hard to defend. Like, I, I really don't judge a corner on getting beat on a rub route. You can only really, like, do something great. I don't look at that as bad. Although, when, you've been, when you have been practicing two positions for two weeks, it's also hard to defend the hardest route to, 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 to defend in the NFL. I mean, it's a play that's illegal, although it wasn't as blatant as it can be usually in not called. But nonetheless, like that wasn't good. They made some mistakes. DeAndre Baker um, got caught slipping a couple times. Um, Ballantyne, though, looked really good, and, and we'll talk about him. But Ballantyne looked really good. No, yeah. Uh, once again, this is a very young group that our cornerback. So play is going to be sloppy for at least this week and probably next week as well. But yeah, with Grant Haley being out, that totally changed what they're doing. Julian Love, now we have to see what he brings at the nickel. Uh, if Grant Haley gets healthy by preseason then, but I think Grant Haley's won the job. They're going to keep him out for most of it. They don't want to risk this shoulder thing becoming even worse. So uh, yeah, Ballantyne, I said he's a guy to watch. Uh, he had... That very blatant pass interference call that was challenged by the Jets, and they won that one. So, what do you what do you think about the pass interference review? I think uh, after last year's whole like helmet to helmet, where the preseason was just outrageous, and then the regular season they they tempered it down. So I'm not bothered by it because I think that they you know, they're going to overcall it in the preseason. But it also is frustrating that like now we can review everything. I get like you want to get the call right, but like you're gonna have pass interference on a lot of plays, and they they have limited reviews, but still, it's I don't know, it's a little frustrating. I was all for it after that Rams game because I was it was in, more of like in that moment thing, or at least for the, that time leading up to it. I'm like, we need this. That was such a bad call, but watching it uh, uh, live, one it takes it drags out the game. Uh, it should have taken that long to make the call, and two, there's pass interference happens on basically every play. There's back and forth on every play. So it's going to hurt teams in the long run. And it's only preseason right now, but regular season, that could definitely cost a team a game. And also, while we're on the topic of pass interference, for some reason I was bringing this up now, strange segue, referees were very poor tonight, uh, especially that one pass interference call of DeAndre Baker. The ref farthest away from the play made the pass interference call, not the ref closer to the play. So... Poor refereeing all around tonight. Uh, my doubts are right now with the pa- pass interference challenge. So hopefully they can keep it to a minimum. But um, I'm, I feel like they should maybe only have it like you can only challenge a pass interference like once. Like you can't use both your challenges on it because I feel like some teams could do that to try and gain an advantage. And then how about that that Tanny incompletion where they called it a fumble and they returned it for a touchdown? And I, obviously I knew they'd overturn it. Just like, come on. Like, you, if you didn't have the power to like to review every turnover, they would have never made that call. I thought that was silly. I can't stand when refs do that, and they're like, "Well, well, we could just review it." Because then sometimes there's 
there's like politics, like not politics, but like like letters of the law where it's like there's a, a technicality where they can't overview overturn it. So like just just call the right call. Don't do crap like that. Let the coaches challenge if they need to. So that that aggravated me. But back to the DBs. Corey Ballantyne played really well. I don't look at that pass interference as a negative. The interception was really good. And what's honestly really nice about Ballantyne is that a lot of guys, you know, young guys, they'll be looking at the ball constantly or they won't look at the ball at all. So, you know, they could be like stuck on a guy, but they won't look at the ball and the guy will catch it. He like knows exactly when to turn his head. And that's taught. That's like, that's a lot of coaching that's taught. Um, basically like you wait for a receiver's hands to just move into like a catching position and like bound time always knew when to turn his head. And that's what that interception was. is like knowing when to turn his head and go for the ball. And the fact like that was, that wasn't an easy interception to make either. That, that was really impressive by Ballantyne. Uh, he, he one had one of the most impressive games on defense. No. Oh, yeah. That clip that I posted, just he knows exactly when to get that head turnaround. Obviously, he had that one very bad play with the hold it of the arm for the pass interference, but he had a very good game all around. That kick return, that's something I, I learned tonight. Corey Ballantyne, he has potential to be one of our kickoff guys with Corey Coleman going down, so that's an opportunity he worked for tonight. Uh, there was this one tackle that it was, it was tougher than the miss. It was one-on-one. Uh, he's a little smaller guy against a big guy, so can't get too mad at him for that. But Corey Ballantyne, I came away impressed with him. I've been on his uh, hype train really since training camp started. He's been Daniel Jones' kryptonite all through training camp. He's picked him off multiple times. So Corey Ballantyne having success is good. And like how he said, this is Jan- Daniel Jones coming out to the world. This was mainly Corey Ballantyne's coming out to the world because, as I said on our Instagram live stream pregame, how many people have seen a Washburn game? Only people probably in Washburn and around Kansas. So there's not much tape out there on him either. For at least us to see Giants, they have tons of tape on Corey Ballantyne, obviously. But him playing well is going to benefit the team. And not this year. He's not going to make a run at the starting lineup this year unless injuries happen. But next year when the cornerbacks, we lose probably Janoris, uh, he can make a run at this uh, starting position. Dan Orlowski's stupid face is on ESPN right now. I'm going to play a little bit to get. People watch this film and go, man, that was stupid. Oh, you're stupid, too. Can you hear it? I can hear it. I need to get that clip. That was stupid. You're stupid, Dan Orlowski. All right. Anyways. <laughs> um, uh, Jabril, obviously the drop pick. Uh, I need – I haven't – you know, I need to watch the, the coach's tape to – really judge that that long play who was that was it Iwanuma who got that long play on the third down in that first drive uh I, i'd be quite honest i don't know who it was exactly but it could have been a Nunua. but either way it wasn't a good look for the giants defense andrew bill peppers in general dropping that pick and then a miscommunication right there he he kind of like bit on something i have to rewatch the tape to know exactly what happened but from my memory it looked like he kind of bit on like a little like play fake and it was over from there just a poor drive to start for the defense, but they settled down after that first drive. But yeah. All right, let's finish off with the linebackers. Let me let me start with this one because it's fun. Jake Carlock, man. I've been talking about him since we signed him. I'm I'm in love with this guy. I think he just plays like a wild man, and that stuff translates to the NFL. Like guys don't go full speed all the time, but Jake Carlock does. He has that pick six, which was just amazingly and awesome. And I was a little behind because they they took it off NFL Network, so I had to watch it on the NFL Game Pass app. 
Um, and I just started getting texts, but like, can you believe it? Jake Carlock. And I was like, yes, here comes something. He gets a sack later in the game, which was, you know, it wasn't like he beat someone off the edge, but it was just him keeping his motor going, never quitting on a play and got a sack. I mean, that guy, I, I, I hope he makes a team. I really do. I've talked about how I don't think he will, but like he at least needs to be on the practice squad. I think he's such an exciting player. He's, you know, he's one of these guys who's out to prove something. He played at a small school. He's never played against NFL talent, but he's just exciting, man. Like that was awesome to see, especially a guy like him. He's had a lot of family in the stands. I, I'm in love with Jake Carlock, even if he doesn't make this roster. Like I'm, I'm always going to be a Jake Carlock stand. Jake Carlock at a Babylon high school representing us Long Island boys, doing us proud as well. Uh, Shermer called Jake Carlock a team favorite, so he has people rooting for him not outside the organization, but also inside the organization. But I'm with you. It's, right now it's a long shot to make this team, but I feel like he could definitely – Giants will bring him back if he doesn't make this roster, bring him back to the practice squad because he, is such, he has the talent. Not, not like starting talent, but he could be a, a good depth guy. But not right now. He he still needs to work, and the practice squad will really help him develop into a NFL linebacker. Well, at least a, a solid depth piece to an NFL team. Just a wild card. Uh, Tay Davis and Ryan Connolly both had good games. Tay Davis more so. I was very impressed with Tay Davis. Um, he looks like he's really improved on his stuff from last year, which was mostly mental stuff. He seemed quick, quick to fill a hole in run plays, which he was not last year. Like he was just flat out bad at filling holes last year. Uh, and then in the passing game, he, he was his, his duty was the running back on most plays. And he, you know, they had a couple catches, but they were always underneath and he never let him get past and didn't let him get a whole bunch of yak. I was really impressed with Tay Davis. He had the tackle for a loss, five tackles. Like that was really encouraging to see how well Tay Davis played. And, you know, we'll see more as it goes forward. But, that, you know, and they're running vanilla defenses versus vanilla offense. But just exciting for Tay Davis. Connerly played pretty good. Um, I wouldn't say spectacular, but pretty good. Um, and th- I guess those were the two, like, really bright spots out of the middle linebacker crew. No, yeah, uh, Ryan Connolly. He he stood out though. He was flying all over the place. One cool shot they had was when he had like all the the turf in his eyes. He was like rubbing it out, just being getting down and dirty down there. But I tried to screenshot that, but they just couldn't get a good view on it. But yeah, yeah. that that was that was a good that was a cool little clip. But no, yeah, Tay Davis. Uh, yeah, he had the running backs down pretty decently well. Didn't allow much yardage. Uh, from what I could tell, the favorite for Ogletree, next to Ogletree is Tay Davis and Ryan Connolly. Uh, they got very heavily featured in tonight's game, and B.J. Goodson ran with the third team for a third team. It was, oh, man, Good. the fall Goodson's from done. grace. The fall from grace B.J. Hill had from being a starting linebacker in 2017 and starting last year as well to run with the third team. Man, it, it's sad to see that. I was a big fan of B.J. Goodson, and him with the third team, it's it, it sealed his fate. I don't see him being on this team. He's done. He's done, and he wasn't even good with the third team. Uh, they had that running back, uh, that pass of the running back where he like he knew who his guy was, and he just had to stick with him, and he just – I don't know what his deal was. Goodson is done. He stunk. Um He's not making this team. They're going to pick Connolly ahead of him. They're going to pick Tay Davis. Actually, he might make it as a fourth middle linebacker. But I, if there's going to be a, a guy who was maybe projected to start it, that's going to get cut. It's it's Goodson, man. He he flat out stunk. And the fact that they didn't even give him seniority over Connolly in the first preseason game that speaks volumes. He's it was bad, man. And he's he's a guy who started a lot of games for Gi- the Giants. But it it seems like his time's done. If he makes his team as I view it, he's not going to be seeing much playing time. 
uh, as I said, I was a big supporter of him, but Tay Davis and Ryan Connolly have proven their worth on this team. And uh, while BJ, uh, BJ Goodson, he, he, I thought he was mainly going to be fighting Ryan Connolly. Man, he's fighting both of them, and he's losing the battle. And Tay Davis and Ryan Connolly right now looks like they're going to win the war against BJ Goodson. All right, any final thoughts before we move to our interview? I mean, just to circle back, Daniel Jones, awesome, baby. Like, I, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm so happy. I'm going to talk a lot of trash to people this week. It's going to be a lot of fun. And like you said, there's, there's literally, there literally wasn't a, a mistake. It was perfect. He was perfect. Yeah, people, you can't. People can't look at you and be like, "Oh, well, Daniel Jones did this wrong." It's like uh, he didn't. There's f- he's five for five. Did nothing wrong. Read the field grade. So yeah, mainly good things came out of this game. As I said, we learned what this team has in flaws. Uh, one thing that the Jets reminded me of with their kicker Casey Catanzaro. How happy I am that Alder Grossas is our kicker. He missed two extra points, and Alder Grossas, yeah, I believe he was, uh, I, I don't know exactly what Alder Grossas went, but he was good, and he reminded me, man, I, I'm happy. I'm not sure if you saw the play, but Alder Grossas, this Jet guy looked like he was about to break one for a kickoff touchdown, and then Alder Grossas came in from literally right up the middle, and no fear took down this guy, no hesitation. So uh, Alder Grossas still looking good so far. But, yeah, uh, very quality things came out from tonight's game. Uh, the defense could settle down. I'm not sure how many starters we'll see next week. Week three will, will, will be the real taste of what we got from this team. But uh, everything is there for this team to have a solid year. It's just can they they learn about themselves this year, tonight's game? Can they build upon it for the next game and the next game? And then when the regular season comes, just keep building on this momentum. Yeah, man, it's gonna be it's going to be exciting going forward this week. All right, so I guess that'll close it out, and then we have an interview with a, a really cool dude, Kevin Boylard. He, he's covered the NFL for a long time. He works for 24-7 Sports. Really good interview. You know, a lot of times interviews are kind of boring, but it's, it's awesome when there's a really good one and a personal one. Kevin Boylard, he knows his stuff. He's been in the industry for a while. So, yeah, really great. Go, go give him a follow. Go tell him you loved him on our show. Um, and then we'll be back Monday. So, all right, let's kick it to Kevin Boylard. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, we now welcome on to the program of 24-7 Sports. He does all kinds of stuff. He's covered the NFL. He covers college football. Kevin Boylard. How you doing, Kevin? Doing great, Bobby. Thanks for having me here today, man. Definitely, man. Been uh, looking forward to having you on. Before we get started, though, into the giant stuff, Tell us a little bit about who you are, how you've gotten to where you are, and, and you know, what, what all that is that you do. All right. Well, I grew up in New Jersey, Philadelphia Eagles country, but third-generation Giants fan growing up. It was a little tough growing up with all those Eagles fans, but honestly, uh, it hardens your fanhood, I think. And then uh, I got into covering the NFL in 2012 for Bleacher Report. I became a New York Giants featured columnist. From there, I went on to uh, uh, work in some newspapers and also worked at Fox Sports covering the ACC, moved from there to uh, the NFL coverage at Fox Sports. And then I got an NFL national job covering the league, uh, all 32 teams for 24-7 sports, which I've done for the past three years. And now I'm going to jump into more college football, basketball recruiting for 24-7 sports and continue my NFL coverage, of course, on the side. And I've got a affinity of course for the giants from where i came from so i'm stoked to be on this podcast yeah definitely and i you know i kind of found out about you i don't know how i stumbled on it maybe it had been you know i know you uh you you friends with dan snyder it might have been through a connection but i told you pre-show you did a, a little a clip with trey scott about daniel jones after the draft and 
anybody who listens to this show knows I have an easy, like my trigger is very quick when it comes to Daniel Jones stuff. And I get defensive. And I was like, who is this Trey Scott guy? I want to go after him and get him. And then I was like, but who's this Kevin Boyler guy? I want to go see what he's all about and follow him. So that that's how I, uh, I became familiar with you and been following along and enjoy everything you do. Um, so, but we're here to talk giants and the thing we talk about first with every guest is the QB, Eli and Daniel Jones. What do you think they should do with that going forward? Do you think they should like, as like stay pad is what they're doing is Eli, the starter. And then, you know, Daniel Jones comes in when he comes in or, or what are your thoughts on it? Uh, you know, coming from the college point of view, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing to assume Eli is the starter, but at the same time, you can still say we're having an open competition. Like, this isn't Kyle Oletta. This isn't Davis Webb. This is a sixth overall pick. I think most Giants fans are secure enough in hearing those words. Yeah, we're going to start the best quarterback, whether it's week one or whether it's week eight. We're going to continue to evaluate that as the season goes on. And I think that Eli Manning, because of his experience and knowledge in the system, uh, is probably miles ahead of Daniel Jones at this point. But I do, it's impossible to ignore what Daniel Jones brings physically, athletically. And I do think at some point, once he's comfortable enough, he'll be the better option than Eli, whether that's this year, whether that's next year, whether that's week one in just a few weeks uh, will remain to be seen. But I don't think Giants fans should be scared of that. And I don't think they're as scared as they, they have been in the past. Yeah, going into camp, I agree with you. I said, you know, why not make it a competition? Give, you know, give Eli the majority of first team reps, but give Daniel a, a handful of first team reps in practice. Um, because, and I'm someone who believes that sitting behind a vet can can help you. I, you know, a lot of people think like that's been out the window. It doesn't help at all. But I do think there is benefits to it. And I actually thought Eli would win that battle. And, you know, coming from me, who's been like, you know, hardcore for Daniel Jones. I, I thought Eli would win that battle, so I thought, like, what, what's the downside uh, of, of letting us stay open? But what, do you, what are your thoughts on that, though? Like, do you think, like, college QBs, they need to come in, start day one, or, or what? Well, look at the two last big-name quarterbacks or explosive quarterbacks that sat. You got Patrick Mahomes, who sat a year behind Alex Smith, and if you look the way he played last year, he probably was ready to go the year before, but – you can't ignore the the facts. He sat a year and then he had an MVP season. And then look at Aaron Rodgers who sat three seasons. And I know that seems like a lifetime ago because he was drafted in 2005. And I just feel like the NFL works at a quicker pace by now. By year three, we know whether you're a bust or not. So I think Aaron Rodgers sitting for three years is kind of the way of the past, especially because he was behind Brett Favre, still playing at a very high level. But the Giants are in that unique situation where they have a quarterback who, who has one in the past, has played at a high level, and yeah, he might be coming off a few shaky years and, and looking like he's in decline, but the great thing about the Giants is the way that their offense is, is kind of shifting now and maybe moving towards a run-first uh, offense, and now maybe less is required of Eli, and maybe not all the pressure's on him to go win them games anymore, and maybe he looks better in the overall scheme of, of the Giants, and you're able to sit Daniel Jones on the, on the bench for a year and let him learn, which... I know how impatient so many NFL analysts are today, and they think that's a bad thing. I actually think it could be a good thing for the Giants. Yeah, I agree with you on, on every point. So one more thing on, on Jones, and then we can move on. What, do you, what is your overall thoughts on him? Uh, I know I, I hear you talk about Virginia and the ACC a little bit. Uh, I know you covered the NFL last year. But like, what are, what are your thoughts on him as a prospect? Because uh, well, I, I heard you defend him uh, with Trey Scott a little bit, so I'll let you go. Everyone that 
wants to laugh at the Giants and say they should have t- waited and taken Daniel Jones at 17 because he still would have been there, and they don't believe the reports that say there were multiple teams that were interested in him. First of all, you got to take the best QB on your board when you have the chance to do him. Whether you have three picks in the first round, you have one, or you have ten picks in the first round, take him when he's there and you have the chance. Second of all, the Dwayne Haskins versus Daniel Jones debate. Daniel Jones is more experienced and more athletic than Dwayne Haskins. Those are facts. Dwayne Haskins can't run. Daniel Jones can. Dwayne Haskins, one-year starter at Ohio State with all five-star talent, plugged right into Urban Meyer's uh, high-octane system there in Columbus. Daniel Jones, on the other hand, three-year starter under David Cutcliffe with much less talent, but in my opinion, far more equipped to succeed at the next level. I think there are serious question marks around Dwayne Haskins, and people are just enamored by the statistics that he put up in that offense and the fact that so rarely do we see an Ohio State quarterback put up huge numbers like that and be successful at the next level, and they got excited by him, and they really overlooked the guy who really looks more like an NFL passer and has more experience and has learned from the better uh, QB whisperer, so to speak, in in Cutcliffe. Yeah, it's weird the the Haskins, uh, you know, the enamoration with him, you know, because we've seen Ohio. I, it's almost like it was the first our uh, Urban Meyer QB who wasn't mobile. It's like okay, he's ready for the league because even before I had even watched any of Daniel Jones, and because I I got onto Daniel Jones late on the draft process, but because Dwayne Haskins was supposedly the guy, and I watched all his games, I was like, and it was just. Nothing stood out. I mean, guys were like the the Michigan game where he had 395 passing yards, six touchdowns, 285 of those yards were on on Yak, and one was literally a handoff that they counted as a pass. And Paris, like Paris Campbell, who I think is going to be huge for the Colts, grabbed Yak. It was just kind of weird to me, like what this like why everyone just fell in love with Haskins. Maybe it was just because he was a pocket QB who put up the numbers. So yeah, I, I agree with you. Where it's like Haskins has a lot more question marks for me than than Jones did. I agree. And I think that's why he went 17th and Daniel Jones went sixth. I mean, you know, I think the Broncos were the team that was actually really interested in Daniel Jones at potentially 10. And then they traded out of that spot and they end up taking Drew Locke in the second round. And then if you've heard John Elway and Vic Fangio talking about him, they're not really talking about Drew Locke in glowing terms. They're talking about him as just a pitcher with an arm. And that tells me there's a big difference between Drew Locke and Daniel Jones. So I think that Daniel Jones NFL GMs, I believe, no. Daniel Jones is an NFL caliber, starting caliber quarterback. And the fans and the media, it's just the offseason of making fun of the Giants and everything that they do because they traded Odell Beckham Jr. And I, I think it's just ridiculous, but we'll get into that. Yeah, it's, it's been a weird offseason, and, and hopefully we can put some of those things to bed. And we'll, we'll get to that towards the end. Uh, now, Saquon, he's going to have a huge role. And my view has been... If you're going to overuse them, overuse them those first four games without Tate. But what do you think about him going to this season, MVP chances, and just all what you expect out of him? I'm going to be honest, Bobby. I really don't know if there's such thing as overusing Saquon at this point in his career. He's obviously very young, going into his second year. And this is a guy who led the league in yards from scrimmage last year with 2028 uh, playing on an offense that was – inept for much of the year and the offensive line was never looking good if the offensive line this year is just serviceable I think Saquon could very well have an MVP season because the expectations are so low for the Giants right now it just nationally and if Saquon Barkley can go from being a great elite talent running back which is what he was last year to a guy who wins you games even if it's only 
nine, 10 games, but he somehow pushes the Giants into the playoffs. I think he has to be in the conversation for MVP at that at that point. And uh, we haven't seen a running back win MVP since 2012 when Adrian Peterson did it. But Saquon Barkley, I think he's the best player in the entire league, and he's got a good chance to win it this year. Yeah, man, he really is special. I mean, I was I was watching. I, I can't remember whose tape I was watching earlier this week, and I was I was rewatching that Jacksonville game, and on his third run, you know, it ended up being a ten yard run, but. You know, he read the play completely, like, as perfect as you could and put one of the nastiest moves I've seen on Telvin Smith. And it's like, man, this guy is just flat-out special. And you mentioned Adrian Peterson, who was the last guy to win the MVP. He really – like, Zeke is great, and I think Zeke is a great player, and I even think the Cowboys should pay him. But, like, him and Adrian Peterson, I think, like, are the, those two guys that are just, like, special and really worth of those those top first-round picks. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be exciting to see what he is, like you said, with a, an improved O-line. I mean – you know, Chad, the, the Giants very well may have had the two worst right tackles start games for them last year in Chad Wheeler and Eric Flowers. They, um, yeah, and underrated is the addition of Kevin Zeitler at guard. I think that's going to be huge, having two really good guards in there in Hernandez and Zeitler. And then if uh, the center is what they say, is Jalapio is, is what he says they say he's going to be, I think it's, it's a great interior to work with as well. Yeah, I mean, and, and you put a center between two guards and Hernandez and, and Zeitler that makes their job a lot easier and makes the tackles jobs a lot easier. And I, I can't remember who I was listening to, and I, it was Damian Woody, and he said about, you know, guards are almost just as, if not more important than tackles in the pass game now because if you can't step up in the pocket, you, there's a lot you can't do. Whereas, you know, guys on the edge, like, yeah, they're the ones who make the money and get the sacks, but you could kind of avoid them if they beat your tackle, whereas guards, it's just, it's just right up in your face. Um, there was that's hard anymore too with Aaron Donald think he led the league in sacks and he's rushing from the interior Chris Jones from the Chiefs had 15 and a half I believe so some of the premier pass rushers are coming from the inside too yeah man it's it's, it's gonna be like I said I think Zeitler and and Hernandez I know Zeitler is already 29 but if if things go well I could see them having like that legacy that's like a Soiber and Snee had where they're just always in Giants history um the receiving core, obviously Tate's going down with the four-game suspension. Um, uh, Shep- Shepard's already back and practicing with the broken thumb, which is just wild to me. But Michael Crabtree's still out there, and Michael Crabtree's a guy I like. I think he was really underrated in his time in Oakland. And then when you look at the splits last year when Lamar Jackson came in, it was that whole offense changed. But his numbers beforehand were good, although he did have some problems with drops. Uh, do you think there's any chance – or actually – let me rephrase, rephrase that because I don't think there's any chance. But do you think the Giants are whiffing on not going out and taking a shot on Crabtree? No, and especially because I'm seeing that there was mutual interest between him and the Cardinals, and it looks like they're still distant on, in terms of what they were looking for in a contract. So I would imagine the Giants would probably be in a similar situation there. Uh, they're not looking to shell out big bucks for a wide receiver who's you know on the wrong end of 30 at this point. Uh, but I, I do think Michael Crabtree is a quality receiver you're right he was underrated in Oakland very sticky hands but last year with the uh with the Ravens uh as you mentioned it, it, it kind of went the other way when they went to the run first and I think that's what the Giants should be is a run first team and so I don't know if, how Michael Crabtree would really fit into that right so Tate and Shepard are, are the, you know the two leading guys of the receiver now when Tate gets back from that four game suspension who do you see having a bigger role in the offense I think the Sterling Shepard is going to – well, let me preface this by saying I think what, Saquon Barkley is going to be wide receiver one in the term in the sense that for the second straight year he's going to finish with the most receptions on the team. But if you're saying the receiver with the 
closest likelihood to maybe get to a thousand yards, I'd say Sterling Shepard, uh, because you know they invested the money in him uh, as a former draft pick, and you know there were moments like that San Francisco game last year where you know Eli hits him for the game-winning touchdown, where you know you kind of felt like that was a guy who could go win you games that, Hey, this is a dude who's got the determination and he's, he's buying into the winning culture. I actually just saw an article from Jordan Renan ESPN about Sterling Shepard talking about the culture change that the giants are undergoing and how it's a, it's a winning culture. And so I, I think that there's something to that. And you mentioned how he's, he's practicing with a broken thumb and Eli's throwing the ball to him and he's catching it, even though he's got that injured hand. And I think that says something, this guy wants to win. He wants to go out there and get his, I'm not saying golden Tate doesn't, but there's something about building around a young guy like that and the potential that he has ahead of him that I believe he's going to be the number one. Yeah. And, and just on a, on a side note, I, I really don't care what a team's social media ever does, but first time today, the giant social media got me a little like, what are you doing? Like, Sterling Shepard's out here catching passes with a broken thumb. No big deal. I'm like, no, it kind of is a big deal. Let's 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 keep that to a minimum. I understand wanting to get him far of the offense, but geez, like every time I hear, I see a tweet with Sterling Shepard caught a pass, it scares me. Yeah, um, yeah that's totally normal. All right, so I want to switch over to the defense a little bit. Sure. Uh, a lot of young guys, and so there's a lot of hope and potential, but we also know youth doesn't uh, necessarily equal production, especially not right away. But Janoris Jenkins, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are getting higher on him after, you know, having a better second half of the season than they did the first. But all these young DBs and DeAndre Baker, obviously the first rounder. But out of those two, and it's just kind of a question that hit me today, it had me wonder, I want to ask you, who do you think has the best chance at a Pro Bowl this year, DeAndre Baker or Janoris Jenkins? Janoris Jenkins probably has a better chance at a Pro Bowl. And that's got everything to do with the way the Pro Bowl is structured and its fan voting and popularity and Janoris Jenkins is obviously just a much more recognizable name than DeAndre Baker at this point in their respective careers. But I think that DeAndre Baker could very well, by the end of the season, be the true number one. I think that Janoris Jenkins is going to be the number one on paper and in the scheme, but who will be the better cornerback? I could see DeAndre Baker developing into that player. And since they drafted him in the first round, I would expect him to become that player, if not this season, going into his second season, um, because I know that that's a situation that they're going to, there's going to be some turnover at cornerback in the next couple of years, regardless of whether they win or whether they lose. And I think, because that's how it always is. I think that DeAndre Baker's got to be a guy that they can build around for the next, you know, four or five years. Yeah, definitely. I, I, you know, when I went and watched him after the draft, it was like, wow, like this guy kind of is better than Greedy Williams. Uh, but I want to, you know, one more question on the defense. Julian Love, uh, I was really high on him. Um, you know, we talked about him before the draft. I thought he would go in the second round. We ended up getting him in the fourth round. But they're playing him at safety. And at first, I was kind of a little iffy on, but mo I'm more on board now, especially, you know, the Giants didn't go out and get a guy like Trey Boston. Michael Thomas is a guy I'm not really high on. What do you, what do you, where do you think he ends up position wise, you know, say year two? I could see him kind of being in that slot corner safety kind of flex role. Uh, Julian Love was a steal. He was a really good cornerback for Notre Dame. And if you go back and look at that Clemson game, I know it was ugly, but a lot of the ugliness happened after Julian Love got hurt. So I think that Julian Love is going to be a big contributor for the Giants uh, moving forward. And I actually think that, uh, 
you know, I, I'm actually less concerned. You bring up the the secondary. The secondary, I, I kind of like the talent there. I'm more skeptical of what's going on in the front seven. Uh, I don't think they have the true pass rusher uh, that they need. And I know that they got the pegs in the middle, but, you know, are, are the linebackers all going to work out? There's a lot of hope that Lorenzo Carter is going to have a breakout year. Uh, what do you have in O'Shane Jimenez in your uh, your third runner in this year? So I, I think there's some the bigger question marks for me are in the front seven than in the out, the secondary. Yeah, you mentioned Lorenzo Carter, and everyone is like kind of predicting him to have that, you know, the breakout year this year. And I, I surely hope so, and I, I think he's a good player. But he is the one guy where it's like, you know, I'm I'm kind of worried. Like, you know, is, are his expectations going to get too big? You know, because I, I I don't know. I'm not I'm not 100 com- confident that he's going to have this insane year. Although I do think he has the ability for it, and he could really propel the defense. Um, I want to finish it off with one last question. Who do you, th- and uh, this is a very pointed question, but Kevin, who do you think are, has the most annoying fans in the NFL right now? Well, it's now the Cleveland Browns. This is definitely clear. Uh, it's not even just the fans, too. I mean, like what Baker was saying about, oh, now Odell is playing for fans that love him and uh, and and, uh, and a team that cares or whatever. Like Baker was out there last December calling out the Browns fans for not showing up to their games. Like, I just don't know when we stepped into this bizarro world where the Browns are Super Bowl champs and, like, the Redskins are running circles around the Giants in the in the free agency and in the draft. Like, I, I don't know what happened. The Redskins have come back down to, to earth a little bit since then, but the Browns are still riding this offseason high that makes no sense to me because – they, Baker Mayfield still had a losing record as a starter last year. And if you take away what he did against the lousy Bengals, I mean, in two games, I, I really what it really, I, I don't think that the Browns are destined for even the playoffs, let alone a Super Bowl. And so the fans are out of control. And I and part of it's the Giants fans who are the ride or die Odell fans who, you know, would rather root for Odell in Cleveland than the than than the Giants. And it's just it's infuriating because it's playing into the overarching meme of the offseason that the Giants are dumb and Dave Gettleman is a bumbling buffoon and they have no idea what they're doing and they're not going to win a game this year. Like and and Eli and Daniel Jones stink and poor Saquon, get him out of New York. Uh, heaven forbid he's playing in the media capital of the world. And, you know, <laughs> you know, for one of the most historic franchises in NFL history. So I'm not buying into all the Brown stuff. It, 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 it's, it's BS because I rooted for them to be good for a long time. And then they had to go and do this. Oh yeah. They, they screwed themselves. Everyone rooted for them last year. Everyone was celebrating that first win against the jets and they have just completely flipped the script. And, and it's funny because Colin coward is definitely someone who plays the game and, and control, but he also isn't a Skip Bayless where, like, he's kind of been right with, you know, the Odell stuff when he did the whole, you know, countdown list. And and he, like, he brought up, like, listen, Baker was, like, one in six against winning teams last year. Yeah. Um, and then what – what oh, and, like, I see, I like a guy who's fiery. I really do. Like, I, I like a guy that talks trash. Like, the Baker Mayfield uh, with the against Kansas, like, that didn't bother me. The flag against Ohio State, that didn't bother me. And I can see how it bothers other people, and I don't. I don't have a problem with that. But that kind of stuff actually made me like him. But it's yeah. like, like, like he said, the more it happens in the NFL, and he keeps talking, it's like, all right, man, are you going to like just shut up at some point? <laughs> and so I think Coward has been a little bit, you know, spot on. Although I do think Baker has a chance to be really good. 
but he's 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 giving us all the reason to hope he's not. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm at the point now where I'm looking at all the pieces and believe me, they got a lot of great pieces, a lot of great talent, and the Browns on paper look like the be- one of the better teams in the AFC North. But man, they've totally turned me against them. And it's not yeah. <laughs> I'm not rooting against Odell. I'm not rooting against Baker. It's just the it's just the overarching everyone picking the Browns all of a sudden to win the AFC North and their Vegas odds to win the Super Bowl are through the roof. And it's like, what planet did you drop me off on this this offseason? Seriously. Yeah, we we you know, we've talked about Odell on the show a couple of times, but we've made a point to not to. And then the last like GQ thing, we just like, we're not gonna address that at all. Let's move on. Football is, is back. But I do another show, Some Men Radio, that doesn't get the numbers that Giants do. But I enjoy it. We talk about national sports, and it's with my good friend. And he brought up uh, brought up Cleveland uh, maybe a month ago. And I was like, thank you for bringing it up. I could finally talk freely about this and not not be accused of being obsessed with Odell. And mm-hmm. like you said, man, they it's going to be fun to watch them lose if that's what happens this year. And I- it's going gonna, it's gonna to be enjoyable. Absolutely, especially if there's uh, headbutting field goal nets and all the all the stuff that just goes with it to Cleveland. Then it's like you kind of look around and say, oh. <laughs> "Yeah, all right, Kevin. Well, I appreciate you going on. Before we let you go, where can I, uh, everybody follow you? Hey, follow me on Twitter at two four seven Kevin Boiler. All right, Kevin, I appreciate it. All right, all right, really appreciate you guys tuning in. Been a fun episode, fun game, a lot to look forward to next week. We'll be back five episodes Monday through Friday, player profile previews. We'll do a little film cleanup of this game and preview week two against the Bears. Lots of fun. Thanks again, Kevin Boylard, for coming on. Make sure to go give him a follow. Hey, and if you enjoyed this stuff, leave a rating and review. It means a whole lot. We appreciate you guys. So until next week, folks, let's go Big Blue. you just heard was made using anchor ever thought about making your own podcast anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started it's a one-stop shop for recording hosting and distributing podcasts best of all it's a hundred percent free sign up now at anchor.fm new that's anchor.fm new to get started